0: Started, uh, I it's good to see all of y'all here tonight on uh, this Wednesday evening, the first Wednesday evening Bible study that we're having, and uh, uh, we're so thankful to the Lord what the Lord did in here on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Quite a few people here to be the first time we were very ecstatic about it, and uh, just reports came in um, through online and also the people that were here. Uh, That were touched, hearts and lives were changed, and were touched. And uh, one testimony came in and said that when they pulled up on the parking lot, that they felt the presence of God. And so that's the most important thing for which we pray for, day in and day out, because uh, without His presence, we've got nothing, amen. And so His presence is most important. So we'll go over just a few announcements before we get into the Bible study tonight. Uh, just remember, of course, our Sunday morning and Sunday evening services that we have, Sunday morning at 10.30, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. and Wednesday night at 7. And uh, we had a meeting uh, with the councilman up in our other church uh, up in Denver uh, last night. And as of right now, the state of North Carolina, uh, the mandate from the governor is no more than 100 people. And so we will be, you know, complying with that, but we're going to continue on. We don't have church. I understand there a lot of churches have made the decision to shut down, and, and that's their choice. And we understand that because we know that they got to do what's best. But as far as right here, we will continue to keep uh, having church. We just ask that people just be mindful uh, and use good hygiene. Keep clean. We've got sanitizer out there. We don't have to shake hands and all that good stuff. And uh, we believe that we will be fine. And I was encouraged uh, because uh, people are realizing that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear of love, power, and of a sound mind, and that's what we need to be operating in, uh, because we're living in the last days, we're living in perilous times, and uh, you know, a lot of people think this is bad, but this is nothing compared to what it will be Mm -hmm. and can be, and so I believe this is a test that's going out to the church. To see how we are going to react to see where our faith is at and where we're trusting and so we just need to be lifting uh lifting the church up in general before the lord and that and that we would get back to what second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says that we would you know humble ourselves down and pray and seek his face and that we've got the promise that he would forgive us of our sins and heal our land because if there's ever been a time that our land needs to be healed it's right now right our land is in desperate need of healing but god only needs one person. God only needs one person to stand in and to ever see. But I know, and i reminded as he told the prophet that, he said, I've got 7,000 that's not yet bowed to me the veil. And I know that there's more than one that will come together in unity and prayer and seek the face of God in these last days for his spirit to be poured. And I know he's going to do it. And I know that we're just on the brink on the edge of seeing that great outpouring that he has promised. And I'm so thankful to be alive. What an exciting time Amen, to be alive. A lot of people are saying this is a fearful time, but for me, what an exciting time to be a part of the last days because Amen. I know that he says that he's going to pour out his spirit and to be a part of that last great harvest of souls that we know are going to come in and the divine healings and, and the miracle miracles and people wonder, if them days still exist, yes, they do. The book of Acts, there is no amen. And so I tell people, read the book of Acts and get ready. Get ready, because we're getting ready to see the book of Acts come alive. And I believe even in a greater way than what the first church said. And I just want to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. So again, remember our uh, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. Bible study this upcoming week. Also starting April the 2nd, the first Thursday uh, night uh, in the month of April. And every Thursday thereafter, we will have a prayer meeting here in the sanctuary at 7 o'clock. And again... We're uh, going to be a people of prayer. We need to be here. And it's not just here, but every every day, I encourage you, go before the Lord in prayer, seek the face of God, and that's what we want to do here. And we want this place to be open. We want to be a visible light and witness to this community, to the surrounding areas, and to let them know that we still believe in the power of prayer, amen, and that we would come together and seek the face of God. So starting on April the 2nd, we will be doing that on, on every Thursday at 7 p.m. Also, April the 18th. Market calendars on that Saturday morning. We will be having breakfast for the fire department, police department, sheriff's department, and the EMS for the county of Yakima County. Uh, we want to recognize our first responders and our law enforcement, let them know that we are here for now. Uh, because, unfortunately, throughout the media in the country, uh, a lot of our law enforcement sometimes gets the bad rap. But we want them to know that we stand behind them 100%. Amen. And so on April the 18th, we will be doing that from 9 to 11. So if you're interested in helping out with that, go and see Stacy as she's heading it up. And we would be more than happy uh, to have you for that. Okay? Also... Um, Lakeside T-shirts are available, uh, and we're there for $15. Uh, we don't make no money off of them. Those are the ones that we all had on uh, that Saturday, the praise and worship night. So if you're interested in one of them, uh, to see Stacey, so she can do it. As well as um, there are media ministry opportunities here. Thank the Lord that we've been able to open up the people that knows how to run sound and media and the praise and worship team and a piano player and all that stuff. But we still need other laborers, and we're praying and asking for the Lord to send in the ones that he wants. So if you have a desire and interest like that to work within the church like that and want to be a part of something, see me and we will talk about it. Amen. Uh, Normally we will do prayer requests on Wednesday night. Um, And the way we'll do it is just to bring it to me before the service or somehow uh, during the weekend. We will put it in our bulletin here so that people can pick it up and it be a reminder to them of what to pray for. And as uh, right now, there's just two on there. Remember my grandpa. uh, He is in desperate need of divine healing. And uh, we are standing and believing that the Lord is going to touch his body and heal him of this cancer that's in his body. And also, of course, remember our country. And this upcoming election in November. I know it seems like it's a, a, way, a far ways off, but it will be here before you know it. And uh, it seems like every election gets more and more and more important, each and every single one of them. And so we just need to remember that, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get uh, into the lesson tonight. And uh, again, let's lift up our country. Let's lift them up, especially with this coronavirus. Uh, I don't doubt and believe that that disease is absolutely real and people are getting sick. But we need to be praying that God would give wisdom to these medical scientists to be able to come up with a cure. I know that they're saying it would be 12 to 18 months, but I believe God can do it a lot quicker than that. And I'm just praying that the Lord would give wisdom to those that need the wisdom uh, and the knowledge to be able to come up with a cure. And then also just to drive this thing out, uh, drive this disease on out of here, because it's making a huge impact. I was talking to one um person on the way up here who had just left one job and normally you can find a job anywhere and she can't get a job right now because everybody's laying off because of this. So a lot of people are getting rid really some hard times and aren't in hard times right now. So we need an end to this virus and we need to just... Uh, again, go to the Lord and ask him to do it. So let's just go to the Lord right now in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the mighty name of your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the privilege. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather your name. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have in this country, Lord, to still come in to the house of God. Lord, to to hear your word being brought forth, Lord. God, what an awesome privilege, Lord, that we have. And Lord, we thank you, though, most of all, Lord, that, that we are your sons and your dollar for them one day, Lord. That was 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, Lord, uh, the great intercessor, Lord, the great mediator, Lord, the great precious sacrifice, went to Calvary's cross, Lord, and shed his blood so that we could have remission of our sins, Lord, so that we could come to you and call you Father, Lord. And God, we are so thankful, Lord, and we, we first of all, Lord, lift up our loved ones to you, Lord. We've got loved ones and friends, Lord, that are near and dear to us, Lord, that they don't know you, Lord, but God, we lift them up before you, we ask that the spirit of conviction, Lord, would go to them right now, Lord. God, that the spirit of Holy Spirit conviction would go to them wherever they're at, Lord. And God, that they would have a restless night, Lord. God, that there would uh, be a tireless spirit upon them, Lord. That, they, God, they would just be unrested, Lord, and that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord. That you would convict them of their sins, Lord, and that you would draw them to repentance and that that repentance lead to salvation, Lord. God, I know that some of us have been praying for loved ones for years, but God, we're not giving up, and we're believing that not one hoof shall be left behind God and we believe Lord that one by one they're going to come in God not only in our families but in and around this area Lord in and around this city and these counties Lord. So we are believing God that the prodigals are coming home Lord and God we pray that you would bring them into this house Lord and other house of worship all around Lord that lifts up in the name of Jesus Christ Lord and that God when they come in Lord that they not be fed with condemnation or judgment that Lord that they, when they walk into this house Lord that God they would know this is a house of grace and that this is a house of mercy, Lord. God, we ask, Lord, that you would touch all of those that are sick in body, Lord. God, we ask right now that you would heal, Lord. We take authority over cancers in the name of Jesus. Lord, we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Lord, you died on Calvary's cross, and we believe that our healing is in the atonement, Lord. God, what was lost at the fall of Adam, Lord, you've won back at Calvary, Lord. And God, we can take it by faith, and Lord, we believe right now, Lord, that you are going to heal, Lord, and we claim it in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would touch our country, Lord. Lord, what seems to be as desperate times and people running around scared, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would remind your people, Lord, that you've not given us a spirit of fear. Lord, you've given us a, a power and of love and a sound mind and that, God, we begin to operate in that power. We begin to operate in that love and that sound mind. And, God, that we would not contain it within ourselves, Lord, but when we go out to the hedgeways and the byways and we come into contact with those, Lord, that are for, Lord, that we would speak a word to them, Lord, that we would give them Jesus, Lord, because, Lord, you will meet them right there where it is, Lord. You are not bound to these four walls, Lord, but you were there. You have commissioned us and told us to go and tell, Lord, so I pray, God, that we would go out and that we would tell. And, Lord, I pray that you would give our government officials, Lord, our president, Lord, the wisdom, Lord, and the guidance that they need, Lord, that you would give our scientists, Lord, God, uh, the, the knowledge and the expertise of what they need, Lord, to, to, to come up with an antidote to this, Lord God. You are greater, Lord God, and mightier, Lord God, than what any doctor can ever be, Lord. You are the great physician, Lord. We need you to move on this, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Continue to give peace to rest our president, Lord. Continue to lead and guide him, Lord. Keep him safe, Lord, in these last days, Father, and that, Lord, as a nation, God, we would turn our hearts back to you, Lord. God, forgive us, Lord God, for turning our backs on you, Lord. Have mercy upon us, Lord, because that's what we need most of all, Lord, is forgiveness and mercy. Lord, I pray you would forgive us of our sin. Forgive us for looking to another source, Lord. And God, that you would have mercy upon us, Lord. And that, God, we still believe that the best is yet to come, we still believe in the last days you're going to pour out your spirit, Lord. And we claim that, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, we would ask that your anointing would rest upon our lips, Lord, to rightly divide your word, God, to preach and to teach, Lord, your word, anoint the hearts of those in the house, Lord God, to receive your word. Lord, those that are watching my Facebook, Lord, that are live right now or that will watch, Lord, we ask, Lord, that that anointing would come to them, Lord, and that God, you would just let that seed that is deposited be on good ground, Lord, and bring forth good fruit, and we will not fail to give you praise for it all, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4, and and seeking the Lord in the Bible study of what I felt that the Lord impressed me to do, is that there is a, a, a great misunderstanding of how sanctification works in the heart and life of a born again believer. But one will never understand how sanctification works unless one understands the meaning of justification. And so I want to start out with... And justification, and, and I'm just going to take my time with it over the next several weeks and, and really dig into it. We will not get it all covered tonight, but there's just such great truth uh, here within the, uh, the book of Romans that I love. It's one of my favorite books here, and we're going to dive in and take a look at what justification by faith really is. And so we will, like I said, be in this for several weeks, and then we will transition over into Romans chapter 6, uh, which I believe 6, 7, and 8 are the most vital chapters and those key components into the, uh, that, uh, that are important in the life and the heart of a believer. Okay, So in Romans chapter uh, 3, I'm sorry, I told you chapter 4. But in Romans chapter 3, we will be reading two verses of scripture to we begin with. Uh, verses 19 and verses 20. So Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and verse 20. And the Bible says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. I can tell you tonight that the phrase of justification by faith was a phrase, if you will, that when I was growing up was not a phrase that I heard. I knew what it was to be saved. I knew that you had to be saved in order to inherit the kingdom of God or, or to, to go into the kingdom of God to be saved, to have eternal life. And I knew that without faith in Christ and what he had done at Calvary's cross, one could not be saved. Amen. we still believe that it's by and through the blood of Jesus Christ that one is saved. Uh, But also, in my beginning of my journey, I had never uh, walking with the Lord after coming back to the Lord several years ago. I still did not know the terminology of justification by faith. I did not know that. I did not know what justification my faith meant. Uh, For all intents and purposes, I was correlating salvation with, yes, faith in Christ and what he's done, but now looking to myself to be able to perform and to be able to live out this life that God has now called me to live. I did not understand that this Christian life was to now be lived by faith in Christ. I did not understand what it was to be in Christ. I thought I got saved. Now Wayne, you've got to go out and you've got to do it all. And what I found out quickly was that I could do it. And all that I found was complete and total failure. And there's nothing any more worse in the life of a believer than to be living for the Lord in a constant state of failure and not knowing what's going on. And a lot of times, and many Christians that have walked away, or many Christians right now, when they are failing the Lord, they somehow feel that they are Out of the covenant if you will That they are no longer justified That God is mad at them That he's hanging them over hell with a rotten stick And just waiting to drop them all But thinking that in one wrong move That they're done And that's not the love of the father That's not the love of the father Because when one comes in And when one has accepted his son Jesus Christ And has gotten saved You now are a son and a daughter of the most high king Amen I mean there's nothing more important than that We are in Christ But the problem of the church is is that we've got an identity problem. We don't understand who we are. We don't understand that we are in Christ and that the reason why God is pleased with us is not because of anything that we've done or that we do do. It's because of who we are in. God can't be satisfied with us even after we get saved. Just because we come to church three times a week, we pay our tithes, we we, we pray, we read our Bible, we witness all of these good things that we should do. But none of those things justify us in the eyes of God. And none of those things keep us justified in the eyes of God. Justification is by faith. But unfortunately, many in the church today believe that they are justified by their works. Mm -hmm. They look to Christ. They have accepted Christ for their salvation and realizing that they're not saved. But now they are wanting to attribute works to the reason why they maintain justification. Mm -hmm. The maintenance of your Christian life is is done and authored by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts you, who draws you in to Jesus Christ, and it's the Holy Spirit who does the maintenance in your your heart and life to keep you in Christ. That's what he comes to do. He convicts, he reproves, he does all of these things. He's the one who works on us. But as long as we're in Christ, to the eyes of the Father, we are justified. No matter what, amen. So again, uh, until we understand how we're justified before the Lord, we will never understand how one is sanctified. You see, our sanctification carries our justification. Now, why would I say that? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11, through we go on to see a series of things that Paul tells us of those people that, as such, were some of you. You know, the fornicators, the adulterers, all of these things. And he said, which I told you before in times past, such shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Amen? Thank God. We were once that, but now we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, but now you have been washed, sanctified, and justified. Now, understand, he put sanctified before he used the word justified. Because to be justified means that one is righteous. One is in right relationship with the Lord. Well, the only way you can be in right relationship with the Lord is to, first of all, be washed, You were washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? You came to him with all of your sins. Your whole being was nothing but sin. Your heart was black as black could be. But then he came in, washed you in his red blood, amen? Took that black heart, washed it in red blood, and made it white as snow. And so because your sins were forgiven, because you were washed by the blood of the Lamb, you were then declared clean. Because, see, that's what sanctified means. One that is declared clean. So in order to be justified, he doesn't justify one that is dirty, he justifies one that is clean. So you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, therefore now you have been declared clean, sanctified. So now you are justified in the name of Jesus Christ. So in the eyes of the Father, because you are in Christ... He just has declared you clean. Now, we understand, and many of the church world, and especially within the Pentecostal church world, believe that you can reach sanctification, that there is a pivotal point in your wall that you are sanctified. You know, it was when I was growing up, it was all right, you get saved, now you got to go back and get sanctified, then you got to go and get filled with the Holy Ghost, and then you're good to go. And I can tell you that you're sanctified the moment that you come to Jesus Christ. Because, again, he can't justify one that is not clean. And so when you get washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are declared clean. So you are sanctified at that moment. But we know that in the life of a believer, there's still much about us that needs to change. And so there is where progressive sanctification comes into play. So the Holy Spirit that is living with the side of you and I, is ever trying to bring our condition up to our position. You see that? So your position, you're locked in. You're right up here in Christ. You are in Christ Jesus. That is your position. You are locked in and you will stay locked in as long as you keep faith in Christ and what he has done. Amen? No man can pluck me out of the Father's hand because I have evidence, faith in Christ. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I am locked in. But my condition, my present condition, is nowhere near what my position is. See, in Christ, I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm perfect. Thank God. But I know that I ain't. Wayne ain't perfect. Wayne ain't holy. Wayne ain't got it all together. Neither do y'all. Nobody that's walking and breathing has it all together. My grandmother, who passed away some 12, 13 years ago, one of the godliest women that I know, was 80 years old. And when I tell you, a golly woman, and people look to her as if, Lord, she just does her wrong. But she always says, she said, there is still room for improvement in the life of every born again believer. She didn't want you looking at her like she was perfect, because see, we can get tangled up here. We can think that because we don't do the big five, and because we don't smoke, don't drink, don't go out here and kill, and don't do all of these things that we think we got it going on, but we don't got it going on. And we find that out real quick when tests come our way, when trials come our way, and then all of a sudden the ugliness of self comes forth. I was just talking to Michael before service like that, and we see that that with Job, who was one of the the Bible says that he was righteous, and there was nobody else like him on the face of the earth at that time, but yet he allowed Satan to do all of these things, he went through everything that he went through, and allowed him to go through all that he went through to get him to get to the point to say, I am vile. I am vile. Job, one that was the godliest man upon the earth at that time, nobody else like him, I mean, what a title and a testimony to have, but yet he still had to say, I am God. Mm. There's none of us that has it all together. But thank God, he had it all together, amen? I can't live up to the standard of God's holiness and righteousness within myself. So I live by the standard of the one who he sent. And because I live by faith of the standard of the one he sent, then he declares me as justified and in right relationship with him, amen? There's nothing any more wonderful than that to be justified, and we're justified by our faith. So everything hinges upon where we have our faith at and where we maintain it, and again, it must be in Christ and in his finished work. See, we look to Christ and his finished work for salvation, but we don't look to Christ and his finished work for our sanctification and for all other things. Because we somehow think that we can go out and obtain these things from God, the blessings, the favor, the grace, the help that we need all because of what we do or perhaps what we don't do. But it doesn't flow to us because, again, we're wretched, we're vile. Paul said in chapter 7, oh, wretched man that I am. The reason why the blessings can flow to you tonight is not because of you, but because of the Christ that's within sight of you. Yeah. See, so he blesses his son. He's the one who said that when his son, Jesus Christ, was baptized into the river Jordan, he came up and the Holy Spirit in the bottom shape of another, up descended upon him. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah. So when you are in Christ and Christ is inside of you, he looks at you, Michael and says, in him I am well pleased. Why? Because you're in Christ. Paul, you're in Christ. Shower in Christ. Because you've accepted him, and in the eyes of God, you can now come into the throne room of grace to obtain the mercy, which is what we need first of all. And now you can receive that grace. You can receive that for the time of need. Because he doesn't see the sin in your life. He doesn't see you for what you really are. He sees you for who you are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing more wonderful than that. We don't realize as Christians just how saved we really are. We really don't. And the lost don't realize just how lost they really are. Because to not be in Christ Jesus, to not have accepted him, you are lost and on your way to an eternal hell. To not have accepted Jesus Christ and be a follower of him, and to be a follower of him means to love him and to abide by his word. One is lost and undone, and his one heart be away from hell, but in Christ Jesus. We are one heartbeat away from being in eternity with him. Amen. So what all is going on in the world today doesn't scare me, doesn't terrify me, because I'm a winner either way, amen? If you to come back today, amen, praise God, come Lord Jesus, right now, I'm ready to go home to be with him. There ain't nothing here on this amen. world for me, amen. amen? I'm not laying up treasures here, I'm laying them up there, amen? So no matter what, we now have that promise of being with him one day, because again, we're justified by faith. But let's read it again. Romans three nineteen and 20. Now we know that what things whatsoever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh, hear me, no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law given by God and Moses was never meant for man to keep. It was never meant for man to keep, but rather to show man how weak, sin-laden individuals we really are. See, the law was never meant for us to keep because God knew man couldn't keep it. But it was given so that we could see how weak we are, how sin-laden we are, to see that, that, that we would throw ourselves down at his mercy and say, oh God, save me. Because his law there uh, did come to say, well, you are guilty now. No, I was already guilty before the law came. Yes. If I would have been living in that time. Okay, we'll get into that. I'm guilty not because the law says I'm guilty because I'm born in original sin because of the fall of Adam, okay? So the law was a mirror, if you will, to show us that we're guilty and again that we would throw ourselves down at the mercies of God so that we would see ourselves as hopeless and to make us aware of our guilt. You want to know what we really are without God? Who we are within our core nature, all you got to do is back up and read verses 10 through 18. If you will see from the tongue all the way down to the feet, we're no good. From the tongue to the feet, if you want to know who you really are, deep within, within yourself, especially without God, read verses 10 through 18 and you will see. I don't care how good an individual is, without Jesus Christ, this is who you are. And if not for the grace of God, if not Jesus Christ living inside of you, we are all capable of still doing these things. Mm -hmm. We should not be. And in fact, we won't be if we're living by faith and if we truly accepted Jesus Christ. Our feet should be running swift to do evil. Our tongues should be cutting people apart. Amen? So all of these things we were before we accepted Jesus Christ. Okay? So we are not made by guilty by the law, but rather the law proves that we are guilty. So we see what man is and ever would be without the plan of justification by God being appointed. God knew it before the foundations of the world. First Peter, lets us know that. Before the foundations of the world, it was foreordained that God would become man, and he would come down here and would be born of a virgin birth. He would go to Calvary's cross, and he would win back what was lost. He would take back, he would complete what the first Adam did. He on the second Adam, the last Adam, because there would never have to be another one, came back and accomplished, and won back what the first Adam had lost. Because he lost it because sin entered into the world. So unfortunately, man down through the ages has always tried to perform certain ceremonies, if you will, or religious efforts to be justified in the sight of God. But let it be known that no amount of good works that you do or ever will do will earn or gain you righteousness with God. The scripture is emphatic about it. You can never earn the righteousness of God, and even as saved individuals, you can't gain righteousness by the means of works. He simply said to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We're to hunger and thirst, but the moment that you got saved, you were given the righteousness of God. The holiness of God is inside of you. There is no different levels, if you will. There is no partial righteousness. You're either all righteous 100%. You are saved or you're not saved. There's no in-between. And it doesn't matter who the weakest believer may be on the face of this earth. And it doesn't matter the bondages that may be in one's life. Hear me. If one has said yes to Jesus Christ and that heart loves God with everything within him, no matter the failure. No matter the failure, they're still justified in the sight of God. Now hear me. The true born-again believer doesn't want to sin. I wish I could get up tomorrow and never sin again. Right. And the only time that I sinned did not sin is when I was asleep. But as soon as my eyes opened up and their feet hit the ground, buddy, this sin nature is there, and it's laying a dormant, and I have to go before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me today. I relied upon you because I know within me dwelleth no good thing. I mean, let's just face it. You know, we're you know live with your spouse. Your spouse knows you better than anybody else. We're not always feeling real holy and real righteous. And there's times that I'll be honest with you, I get up, I don't necessarily feel all that safe. But we don't go by feelings. We live by faith. The just shall live by faith. My faith is anchored in Christ and what he has done. And my faith is not in my performance, because if it is, I'm sure to let down, and I ain't going to make it, and I might as well give up tonight. But my faith is not anchored within myself and in what I do or what I don't do, but rather it's anchored in the one who's already done the work for me, who cried on Calvary's cross, it is finished. And so my faith is in that finished work, resting in Christ and what he has already done. Now I can... Breathe a sigh of relief, if you will. Thank you, Jesus. And now I'm not living to do good works to receive something. I'm doing good works because of what I have. I don't do a series of works to try to achieve something from Him, but I do what I do for my love for Him because of what He has done for me. Okay? Alright, so again, we cannot maintain our righteousness with God by the means of flesh. We cannot. It is maintained, again, by faith and through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So man's sight will say, yes, clean and pure and ready for heaven with their works. The man's point of view doesn't matter. The only point of view and the only opinion or mindset, really, it's not an opinion, is what is known. One only one that matters is what God Almighty says. Mm-hmm. You can go through all the ceremonies you want to. An individual could go to the house of God three times a week, hit every prayer meeting, pay their tithes, pay 20% instead of 10%, fast, read 18 chapters a day, pray, and still die and go to hell. Because it's not about what you do or how you abstain from doing, it's about whether or not you have said yes to Jesus Christ, that you have said yes to God's provision. There are many And many nominal faiths like that. And their faith is not resting in Christ and what they've done. Their faith is in sacraments. In the Catholic Church, their faith is in sacraments, their faith is in ordinances. Your faith can't be in Mary. Hey, she was a godly woman. Oh, yeah. But she still had to bow her knee before her son. There is only but one mediator in his name. is Jesus Christ. I don't go and pray to Mary. Mary didn't die for me, but Jesus Christ died for me. And he's the great high priest. And after him, there's no reason for any other priest today. Amen. And I know the Holy Spirit has put the praise that upon my spirit. There are those that are watching. Your faith cannot be in a priest. He cannot give you absolution. He cannot redeem you. He cannot forgive you. How can he forgive you when he's a sinner himself? There is only but one that can forgive. There is only but one that can cleanse from all unrighteousness. And his name is Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life so that he can now forgive us. And we're forgiven by faith and faith alone. So Psalms 14, 2, verses 33 says, The Lord looked down from heaven. Upon the children of man to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And you know what he found? He found this, that all that, that they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. When God looked down upon creation, that's what he's saying. There was not one. But thank God his love went past our condition. He's he seen our need and he said, and they said, and it was the day again before the foundation of the world, I'll go. I'll go and become the sacrifice. I'll lay down my life so that man can be reconciled back to God. Because it's us who have wronged God. There's a lot of people out here, and there's some faith there that is saying that somehow we need to forgive God. We don't need to forgive God of anything. We need forgiveness from God. God's not done anybody wrong. He's not done anything. It doesn't matter what trials and hardships that may come your way. The fact that he sent his son to die, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If he never need anything else for you and I but save our soul, that's enough to get up and say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And praise him all the day long. But because we're in Christ Jesus and because we're justified by our faith, now blessings can flow into our heart and life. I mean, you think about it. We've got access into the throne room of grace. Think about it. We can make our petitions known to Him. The moment that you say Father, in the name of Jesus, you've got the ear of the Father. Think about that. We've got blessings. We've got so much in Him, okay? So no flesh shall be justified because again, the whole world is guilty. The whole world is guilty. There would be some that says, well, what do you mean by the whole world is guilty? Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That three-letter word there is our problem. That three-letter word is my problem. That three-letter word is your problem, and it's sin. It's not talked about much anymore than the churches today. Because when we start talking about sin And we start calling out what sin is And no, the pulpit should ever be used as a chopping block But still, we are to still take a stand for holiness And we're still to take a stand for righteousness yes. And man don't like to hear that they're guilty before God Man don't like to hear that they're a sinner And that without Jesus Christ and without accepting Him That they're on their way to hell They don't like to hear that they are condemned They don't like to hear that they're condemned to die They don't like to hear that they want God's grace but they don't want it in the manner by which they can receive it. And that's by humbling ourselves down, realizing and acknowledging first that we are a sinner and that we are in need of a Savior. See, a lot of people, and they're religious, they're going through the motions, have never truly humbled themselves down and recognized themselves for who they are. They want His grace, they want His favor, they want His blessings, but they don't want the one, they don't want Him. They want what He has to offer, but they don't want Him him, okay? So again, this means the sin that that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is guilty before God and has violated the word of God. My son who was eight months old back there, I can tell you he possesses the same nature (laughs) because he's already not wanting to listen. When we tell him don't do something like that, he'll look back at you and still act you that thing which we keep telling him, no, don't do, don't do. You see, and I know we laugh and cut up about it, and he's a baby, but we are all born with that sin nature. We're all born with that nature to do what we want to do and be disobedient to what God's Word says. Oh, yeah. And that disobedience that comes from that disobedience, that sin nature that is within inside of us to do what God says to do and that we want to do opposite of, comes again because of the fall of Adam. When Adam fell, and he disobeyed God, it set in motion a, a horrible thing. I mean, it was bad. I mean, you think about it, because of that fall, because of his disobedience, sin has plagued the in all of humanity from the beginning of time all the way down right now to present time. Mm-hmm. That is the reason why all of you, the evil that is going on in the world today, we don't have a race problem. We don't have a sick problem. Well the problem that we have, and it ain't guns, it ain't this and that. The problem that exists in the world today is a sin problem. And the only remedy for sin is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we what in racism that we need preachers to stand up and preach the Word of Almighty God. If we want to see an end to this problem, we want to see an end to that, we've got to get back to preaching the word of Almighty God. We have for far too long have come up with programs. We're trying to do this and trying to do that, trying to bring everybody under the name of one God. No, 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 no. And just come by God, hold hands. That's not it. We've got to be creatures of righteousness and say for all that sin and come short of the glory of God. But hey, there is a remedy. There is a solution. And his name is Jesus Christ. And by accepting him and evidence and faith in what he is, done, one can then be made righteous and freed from that sin. We can be cleansed. We can be washed. Thank God for that. Even though we are still going to have a problem with self, we have been set free from sin. He didn't save us in sin. He saved us from sin. Romans 6, 14, for sin shall now no longer have dominion over you. We're still going to fall short because again, ain't none of us perfect. But now, because he has set me free because of what he has done for me in Calvary, my faith in there, and my understanding that I was set free wrote John 8 and 32, I now can be free from that dominion of the sin nature. So I don't have to be ruled by the powers of darkness. I'm going to still be bothered that they're going to still come in and try to tempt. But I don't no longer have to say no within my own willpower because my willpower won't do it anyway. I can now say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because you set me free and my faith is in you and what you've done. And I can walk in freedom. We can walk in freedom. So this idea that we've got to walk around, we just got to sin every day. That's not the case. That's not right. We will fall short of the glory of God. And in fact, Romans 3.23, in the Greek it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and continuously coming short. You and I continuously come short of the glory of God. We do. But there's a difference for coming up short of the glory of God than getting out here and saying, Well, today I think I'm going to do this because God's grace covers it up. That's not true salvation true salvation wants to live a life pleasing unto the Lord and of course we know without faith it is impossible to please him but he says if you love me you're going to keep my commandments amen you're going to follow my word you're going to do what I say that is due you're going to abhor evil because the divine nature has been placed inside of us listen God hates sin so as a believer as one who is now received his divine nature you as a believer if you're truly saved are going to hate sin so, when we see people that want to stand up for politicians, and I know that I'm going to get black on this, that is now, that, that says abortions is right, that same sex marriage is right, that all of this stuff that is abominations are to the eyes of God, that it's all right, you're wrong. Because as one who is a follower of Jesus Christ, we follow his word. We stand up for the whole entirety of the Bible from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 21. And if God calls sin it's sin, there's no reason for us to come together and have a discussion about it. We don't have to form a committee about it and say, well, let's think about this. No, what does the word of God say? We're wasting too much time trying to come together and see if this is right or if this is wrong. That's what a lot of denominations are doing. No, no. What does the word of God say? Because the Lord thy God says, I change not. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. And don't get me wrong. We don't hate the sinner. We love the sinner. We hate the sin. We hate the sin. I love the alcoholic. But I hate the alcohol. I love the drug addict. And I love him enough to say, hey, there is a better way. He's a chain breaker. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you need freedom, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. Amen. I love that drug addict. I love that alcoholic. But I hate the sin. And the reason why I hate it is because the divine nature is inside of me. And what he abhors, I should be up it. Yes. What he hates, and he hates sin, we should hate sin. We should be temple tolerant around it. There's no, no gray area. And I believe in these last days, the line is being drawn in the sand, and God is saying to the church, pick who are you going to serve. Make today the decision like that because we've been straddling the fence for far too long. We're actually uh, too close to sin to see how far we can get without actually sinning. what well, we should be running from sin and abstaining from even the appearance of sin. Okay? So again, sin in the Greek is uh harmortano, meaning to miss the mark, to fail and obey the law. So again, we have missed the mark. We have failed in obeying the law, okay? So God, again, has a standard of righteousness and holiness, and the scripture says in it that we have all failed to meet it. We've all failed. We've all missed the mark and we continuously miss the mark. That's why we have to go before the Lord each and every single day as He directs us in the Father's prayer, the Lord's prayer, that of prayer that He gives us, those 66 words, and in that 66 words encompasses it all, and it says, Forgive me of this day of my trespasses as I forgive those that trespass against me. That tells me that we fall short of the glory of God every day. If it wasn't the case, then why is it included in the Lord's prayer? Because, again, we fall short. It's not always that. It can be bad thoughts that you dwell on for far too long in your mind. Mm-hmm. Things that can get down into the heart. Jesus said like that. Of course, uh, uh, you know, you taught me. They were back in that day. We're talking about if they were caught in the act of But He said that if even a man has looked upon a woman in the heart, mm-hmm. they committed the sin. The law says one thing, but grace demands even more. So this even, hard, listen, there are some people that has never committed adultery in the physical, but commit adultery every day in their heart. Mm. There is people that has never murdered a person, as far as in the physical, but murder every day with this. Mm. See, we don't like to talk about the tongue. We don't like to talk about gossip. We want to focus on what we see, but all in the while, there's many within the church each and every single day, and they're gossiping and tearing down their brother and sister instead of lifting them up. But yeah, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that problem, whatever, because it's not something that necessarily you can see. But yet, God says that's just as wicked and evil as one that's committing murder. Mm -hmm. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay? Psalms 51 and 5. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother You see, there was a recognition of his depravity. David didn't blame Bathsheba for his sin. And remember, this man was given a title that no other man was given. A man after God's own heart. But yet, he seen the depravity of himself in the sin that he did. He realized that his sin and his failure was more than just an offense committed. Under the influence of strong temptation, but was actually a result of the entire corruption of his nature. David realized that it wasn't just a, a strong temptation, but he realized that the nature within himself, uh, by and through, thick and through, was corrupt. And see, that's what sinner man has to realize before receiving the grace of God, before receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, before that comes and the Holy Spirit came in. Listen, the day that you got saved, the Holy Spirit had been probably dealing with your heart for quite some time. I know we had mine. But specifically the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit convicted you and made known to you you're a sinner. He made known to you that you needed saving. He made known to you that without God there was no chance for you. So he made known that to you. You realize your depravity. You realize all of your sins. And then it wasn't just because, quote, a lot of people said the devil made you do it, or because of temptation within itself, but because you are corrupt deep and within yourself. That's your nature. Our nature within ourselves, because of the fall of Adam, is again, is not to obey the word of God. But again, to do what is opposite than the word of God. That's what's so glorious about salvation. And that's so wonderful and still the greatest miracle yet. When a sinner is saved. you think about it. You went from wanting to live a life of sin and all of your debauchery to in what is the moment all of your desires change. Now you no longer want to go the places you used to go. Where we may have been hopping to the bars and the clubs. Now we want to get to the house of God on a Wednesday night to hear about the word of God. Nothing else could do that but the power of God, the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ. We no longer talk the way we used to talk. We no longer do the things that we used to do when we was a sinner because that divine nature has been imparted, given to us because of faith in Christ and what he's done. And now he, the Holy Spirit, has set up throne inside of us. And now He said, no, no, don't do this, now do this. We're justified again. By our faith, okay? So our failures are from our fallen nature. And they will always be until we receive our glorified bodies. So the failures that take place in our heart and in our life is because of that fallen nature from Adam. And we will continue to have failures. We will continue to come up short of the glory of God until one day when this mortal body puts on immortality. When in, when corruption puts on incorruption. And because this old flesh ain't going up, and my soul and spirit is going up to be with Jesus. And there it's going to be joined in with that glorified body that ain't made of blood and flesh, but of the spirit. And there, that's why heaven is going to be a wonderful place because there's going to be no presence of sin. And sin is the reason for all sicknesses. Sin is the reason for all evil. Sin is the reason for why relationships are destroyed for all the problems in life but none of that's going to be there because sin ain't going to be there because this flesh ain't going to be there but only a glorified body that has been joined up with our soul and spirit and is all made possible by the cross, the cross, the cross that's why Paul said God forbid God forbid that I should glory anything except Christ and him crucified, I'm determined to know nothing else among you. Because everything, our eternity and our whole life hinges on what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago. And it's the answer for the sinner and it's the answer for the saint. It was the answer for you when you said yes to Jesus, and it's still the answer for you today in Jesus. Amen. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Mm. Who can know it? Who can know it? I was having a conversation with my aunt the other day, and Mother Teresa, there was probably not a person on earth that done more charitable work than that woman. Who gave more than that woman? She is hailed throughout the world as one of the greatest women, greatest persons that's ever walked upon the face of the earth, and hailed and, and arrayed up because of all she done. But let me tell you, if she was not saved, if she had not been born again, if she had not said yes to Jesus Christ, she is in hell today. It does not matter what all good works that she does. You can work all your life and still die and go to hell because salvation is not predicated upon what we do or what we don't do, but again it's because of what he's done. We've got to be born again, and religious men don't like to hear that, because they think they can come in and clean themselves up that they can do, as I said Sunday night, like the skills of justice you said, you know, when you put things over here and you put things over here to try to balance it out, and if one side's got more stuff on it, it causes the other side to rise up. So man sees all they bad, but they don't see really all their bad and then they try to do good works to outweigh their bad so that they think well if I do enough good works then I've got no choice and and I'm going to walk on into heaven but heaven and eternal life is not based off the works of what you do or don't it's based off of those that are born again why do we say that that's what the word of God says you've got to be born again because you within yourself are no good you've got to die You can't be repaired. Your whole nature, your whole being, is corrupt. It's so bad that you've got to die and be buried. But thank God when I said yes to Jesus Christ, his death became my death. His burial became my burial. His resurrection is my resurrection, and his ascension is my ascension. The old man died with him. That old man is buried, and when he resurrected, this new creature in Christ Jesus came forth. That old man waited, and was dead and buried, and is dead. And in that graveyard, and a new person has came forth with a new nature and a new heart. He got rid of that heart of stone, and he gave me a heart of flesh, a new nature. That only comes through a death. And now a death had to take place for you to be saved. And his name is Jesus Christ. You've done it. And when he died, now you've got to die in order to receive his life. Amen? So again, a man doesn't like to admit, again, that his heart is deceitful. That the very core of his heart is wicked. And that's why gener- regeneration has to be thrown completely out, okay? So again, in order for man to be brought back into right relationship with him, there had to be a sacrifice for man's sin, and that sacrifice in the Old Testament was always an animal. We see that. The sacrificial system was introduced to us in the Old Testament. That is how God dealt with sin in that time, to where there had to be a lamb, a bullock, a ram, whatever, that was had to be provided and it had to be looked over, Made sure it had no blemishes whatsoever. If there was even the wrong markings, if you will, if there was a blemish of some sort, it had to be tossed to the side and another one got it, representing the perfectness because of our Lord and Savior being perfect as He is. It had to have a perfect, it had to have a, the right kind of sacrifice. So it was minutely inspected and again had to be without blemish. So, but the blood of these animals could not atone for sin. They could not atone for sin, but only act as a covering, okay? The blood of bulls and goats could not atone for man's sin. It can only cover sin. It acted as a stopgap measure, if you will, okay? So, and we see that, first instance, there with Abraham and Isaac. Abraham said, told the people, me and the son, we're going up to worship. And he knew God was going to provide, because he yes. said, we are going to come on right back down. And they get up there on Mount Moriah, and Isaac says, "Well, we got the wood, and we got the fire, and we got the fire, but Dad, where's the sacrifice?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "God will provide." And right at the time when the knife was up, to get ready to cut his throat, he looked and behold, in the thicket of ram. God had provided the ram, had provided the sacrifice, which is a type of shadow of him providing the sacrifice, for providing your sins, so that they're no longer just covered. But by God, they are atoned for. And because they're atoned for, they are washed away, never to be remembered again, cast in the sea of forgiveness, and removed as far as east is from the west. And there on Mount Moriah, we see the first thing that is attributed to Jehovah, and we know. That Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah uh, Canissadu, all of these, but there we see the first acknowledgement of the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord by God, the Provider. He's the provider. Yeah. The first name given to him, Jehovah-Jireh, the provider, because he provided that realm in that day for Abraham. was a type of shadow, of the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said it. Behold, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world. Not who covered the sin, but who taketh away the sin of the world. He yeah. took it away. There at Calvary's cross, amen? But 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Paul used the words in Christ, in him, more times than I even know. All throughout the epistles. Because he was always wanting to direct the attention back of Christians that everything that you are and everything that you have is because you are in Christ. It's all because of what he's done. So when it says that he made him to become sin for us, it means that he became a sin offering. Because a sin offering always had to be made in order for man to be forgiven. Okay? And he became that sin offering. So there, as he hung upon Calvary's cross, he bore the sins of all, not just mine. Mine would have been bad enough. But he bore the sin of the entirety of the world, of all of humanity. You think about that. He bore that all upon him. What suffering, what pain and torment that he must have felt. He bore it upon him because it had to be in order that sin could be atoned for. And it had to be by a perfect sacrifice. Think about it. Jesus Christ was perfect in every way. In thought, in deed, and in action, in every way. He didn't even think wrong. He didn't even speak wrong. He was perfect in every way. And it had to be in order for him to be the perfect sacrifice. And then because of that, we now can be made the righteousness of God in him. Because of his obedience unto death, which is the central theme of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But say, listen. The story of the Bible is Jesus Christ and crucified. It's Christ and crucified in Genesis. Is Christ and crucified in Exodus. Is Christ and Him crucified in Ruth. Is Christ and Him crucified in Nahum? And Some of them books ain't got but a couple chapters. It's Christ and Him crucified through it all. All 66 books contains and is about Christ and Him crucified because, again, that is the theme of the Bible. Man is lost. God loved us so much that He said that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have ever. Everlasting life. Yeah. He made him to become again that sin offering, and because of it, we now can have the righteousness of God. We now can be justified by our faith. We're not justified by our works. And I'm not going to get to nowhere that we're already 8 o'clock. My gosh, I wanted to shoot the clock. The time was running by fast, but, but, but there is so much in here, and we've got to get a hold of this, and that's why I want to spend time on it. We've got to understand how we're justified and what we have exactly who we are, that we're justified by our faith. Because until we get that down pat, until we understand who we are in Christ, we're never going to understand how the Holy Spirit works in and through our life, again, to bring our condition up to our position. Again, justified by our faith and not by our works. If it was not for Calvary's cross, you and I have nothing. And again, justified by faith. But so many are trying to live their life and are living their life justified by works. They think they're justified by their works. They think they're justified because of what they've done. They went out here and did charitable work and they pat themselves on the shoulder. Oh, God, you must be pleased with me. Many go to church week in and week out on Sunday morning. They give God an hour and a half of their time and say, oh, God is pleased with me. Praise God. They put this Bible up and they go on to live their own life until next Sunday. Well, here I am, God, again. Aren't you just pleased with me? Mm -hmm. Oh no. Mm. But it don't matter if we sit in here seven days a week. He's pleased with a sacrifice. He's pleased with a sacrifice. And when the sacrifice was always the right sacrifice, it was offered up in the Old Testament, we see the fire came down and it consumed it. And that's why I pray every day, God set me on fire and consume me because he sees the blood of his son Jesus. And he said to the Israelites there in Egypt when the death was coming, he said, put the blood upon the doorpost and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And they were saved because of the blood. And as long as they stayed in the house, they were saved. But the moment that they stepped outside of, the house, death came their way. That means that we are saved by the blood, and as long as we stay in the same way that we came in, which is by the blood of the Lamb and faith in that, we are saved. Mm. We are guaranteed that. Because again, it's not based off of what we do, it's based off of what He's already Amen, Amen. Amen. Let's close out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord we just thank you for your work tonight you. God we thank you for the liberty that we felt in the house Lord we thank you for your spirit that is here and Lord we believe that something has been said tonight Lord that not only has blessed us but those that are watching by the way of internet and God my prayer is right now that those that do not know you Lord those that right now that has not accepted you as Lord and Savior they their life Lord I pray right now that the spirit of conviction will begin to deal with them and that Lord right now they will just cry out unto you Lord that they don't and let them know they don't have to wait until Sunday, Lord, but right now, Lord, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation and that right now they will cry out unto you, Lord, and say, Jesus, save me, and Lord, I know that upon uttering their words, Lord, you will come into their heart, you will wash them of all of their sins, and you will save their soul, Lord. God, we thank you tonight, Lord, that we have the hope, we thank you tonight that we got an anchor that steadfast to shore and that is you. Lord, I pray that as we leave this house, Lord, let us walk in your love, let us walk of the Spirit of your might, God. Let us walk, Lord God, in victory, Lord, until the next appointed time, and we will forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' wonderful, mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank y'all for coming tonight. I don't know how to turn it off. Okay.